Well, greetings. This is J.R. Dickey. I hope you're having a great day. But if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. You know, for some time now, there's been quite a bit of talk of last days and of the Lord's return. So I thought it'd be appropriate to give a short talk on a couple of key points related to that. When Christ's disciples asked him about his return, he referred them to the stories of both Noah and Lot. Now, Noah, as we know, was saved in the midst of judgment, saved from the flood in an ark. As such, I'll suggest that he prophetically pictures the Jewish remnant of believers who will be saved and protected in the midst of the coming time of tribulation. On the other hand, Lot, as we will see, was saved out of judgment, being led out of Sodom just prior to its destruction. And for that reason, I consider him a prophetic picture of the church in the days just prior to the tribulation. It's interesting that Jesus describes Sodom in Luke 17:28 without any reference to sexual immorality. Rather, he says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. All a picture of normal everyday life, which is exactly his point. For many people, life will be going on without any awareness on their part of impending judgment. In Genesis 18, word had reached heaven, so to speak, that Sodom had become a wicked place, so vile that it deserved utter annihilation. The Lord, of course, already knew this, and so he sent a couple of angelic messengers there on a mission of mercy. You see, years earlier, Lot and his family had left the highlands to the west. He had left his uncle Abraham when he chose the lush valley pastures of the Jordan Plain. The scriptures never indicate that he gave any thought to his family in this decision, let alone the will of God, only in his cattle, his business, his pursuit of the materially abundant life. Now, Genesis 13, 12 indicates that he left the hardship of living in tents for the comfort of the cities. He chose to have plenty rather than a pilgrimage, if you would. But as is the case almost always, he did not go directly to Sodom. Rather, he seemed to have dwelt in other cities, first with a gradual movement closer and closer to the sinful epicenter. He also seems to have used his tent to camp out on better and better territory before giving in to the urge for the condo in town. In other words, it was a slow but deadly seduction. Thus, when the two angelic emissaries arrived at the city in Genesis 19, we find Lot firmly fixed in Sodom. He now owns a house and resides in the city. At least two of his daughters have married Sodomites, and Lot is himself sitting in the city gates, which indicates he had become a real player in the community. Now, 2 Peter 2.8 says that Lot, though personally righteous, the scripture says, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing the Sodomites' lawless deeds. So, when Lot saw the angels, something clicked. He bowed, he addressed them as lords, and virtually begged them to stay under his roof. 
He knew what they would observe elsewhere in the city, and one can't help but think that he may have been trying to cover up his sinful surroundings as well as to protect his visitors. Here's something to bear in mind about righteousness. The first mention in the Bible of this term is in Genesis 15, speaking of Abraham. It says, And he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, that is Abraham, for righteousness. In other words, his righteous standing was based upon his faith and not his works or behavior. Now, the second mention of this characteristic in the New King James is in Genesis 18. Speaking of Abraham, it says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. So the Lord speaking about Abraham is saying that he would do righteousness. So the Bible makes clear that there is at least a distinction between being righteous and doing righteousness. And that's why we have a lot to learn from Lot. You may know the story. That night, the house is surrounded by every male in the city, and they demand to have sexual relations with these visitors. Then, in a desperate effort to protect the angels, Lot offers the crowd his two daughters to brutally rape. With this, the mob goes ballistic and is about to have their way with Lot when the angels strike them all blind, grab their bumbling host, and pull him inside his house. At this point, They tell, the angels tell Lot that they are about to utterly destroy the whole place and that he should convince all his relatives to leave immediately. Consequently, he runs to the homes of his sons-in-law and says, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to the sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Can you fathom what's probably going through Lot's dazed mind? He now realizes that his long ride with seduction is crashing. He has slid into carnal surroundings, which he might have even thought were God's blessings, was about to end very abruptly, and his comfort zone is about to radically shrink. But tragically, by this time, his family is almost totally corrupted. Although the angels mercifully grab a hold of him, his wife and his two remaining daughters, literally leading them out of the city by hand, at least two of his other children are destroyed, along with Sodom. And if they had any children themselves, they were killed as well. Now, while Lot flees, his possessions are incinerated. His wife is morphed into a pillar of salt. And eventually his two surviving daughters end up having sexual relations with him. Whoa! In all of this, recall, Lot was a righteous man. Now, how did he come to this, and what does it mean for us today? Remember, we are living in the time Christ referred to as being like the days of Lot, that is, the days just before the tribulation or the last days. I'll suggest that it started with a bad choice, birthed out of a misguided heart. The Bible says of Abraham that he looked for a city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. 
And the word there used for looked in the original language means to look for, to wait for with expectancy. That is, Abraham had the same heart attitude. This reflected in 2 Peter 3, where it says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that's talking about the whole world, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. In a nutshell, Abraham looked for and anticipated heaven, and it influenced his whole walk, as it will any believer. On the other hand, Lot, although he was a sincere and righteous man, was focused upon the treasures and comfort of this world. Contrary to Abraham, he looked for earthly foundations, and they ended up being quite flammable. Therein, he found his ruin. You see, he tried to mix his desire for the things of this life with the values of the life to come, and that just doesn't work. Jesus said that although we are in the world, as believers, we are not of the world. Even in Leviticus, in the Mosaic Law, mixtures of livestock, seed, and even some fabrics was prohibited as a picture of what it means to truly value the heavenly so single-mindedly that the earthly absolutely pales by comparison. This is not to advocate asceticism, but a sincere and consuming attraction to Christ. You see, Lot wanted stuff. He wanted comfort, and Sodom offered that. In fact, contrary to what you might expect, Ezekiel 16, 49 says that pride, the fullness of food, an abundance of idleness made up the iniquity of Sodom, which led to its judgment, not just sexual aberration, And this is the same criticism the Lord applies to the church of the last days. It's called the Church of Laodicea. He says, quote, You say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. That's in Revelations 3.17. It's a condemnation of them. So why would Lot stay there? He knew what the people were engaged in all around him, and it was absolutely wrong. Was he hypnotically influenced by the abundance? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Was he ensnared? Stuck in the muck with too little spiritual spot to break out? Here's the rub. Many, many dear Christians today are in Lot's sandals. Righteous souls being tormented while going with the world's flow. For some... The passionate pursuit of Christ has turned to a settling into new digs, their spiritual paralysis and worldly pleasure. And as a result, many Christian families are becoming indistinguishable from the world. And here's the deal. Like Laodicea, we need zeal and repentance. That's what Christ recommended in the book of Revelation. 
Like Abraham, we must be heavenly-minded in this world. Lot never changed Sodom. Sodom snared Lot. He was powerless to influence because he was focused on affluence. Now, may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast or sign up for our feed. May you realize more of his grace today.